Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. Join me in prayer, please. Father, as we approach your word, I just pray that you'd open up our hearts and minds to your eternal, steadfast truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, join me in turning in your Bibles to the 10th chapter of Romans as we continue our study of not only the book, but also of the 10th chapter. And if you recall, I left off in preaching verses 5, 6, and 7. We're going to go all the way through 10, but I want to read all of these in context. So in Romans 10, verse 5, it says, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth. And in your heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. As I preached through the previous verses, I pointed out the contrast between the law, and faith. And the two points of several that I made were, I think, very important to put today's message in context. The first one is is that the law, the law is impossible. And you see that in verse 5, when Paul wrote, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. And that's the key phrase there, the righteousness which is of the law. And then he goes on and quotes a verse where he says, the man who does those things shall live by them. And as I mentioned, as I preached through verse 5, we all know if we were to look at our own life and how we conduct our life, if we were counting on our righteousness the righteousness from our actions, that we would fall short because we're all sinners. So this idea of the man who does these things shall live by them, we know that we cannot do it perfectly. That access to the Father through morality is impossible. The law is impossible. However, faith is possible. And you see the contrast as you go from verse 5 into 6. Verse 5, Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. We know that it's impossible to keep perfectly. In verse 6, he says, but the righteousness of faith, the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? 
The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So what Paul is doing is he's contrasting the difference between the law and the gospel. The word of faith. This brings us to our focal passage this morning, which is Romans 10, 9 through 10. And to put 9 and 10 together and in context, just skip back a little bit to that phrase that I just read from verse 8. That is the word of faith which we preach. So what Paul is doing is, is he's saying, this is the word of faith. And he's telling us what that word of faith is, what the gospel is, as he goes into verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, if you were raised in church... This is more than likely a verse that you are very familiar with. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And in fact, some of you may have come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in this very verse. And the reason being is that if you were presented Christ through a group of verses that we call the Roman Road, and it was a very effective evangelism technique, it still is, and you can present the gospel of Jesus Christ by using several verses in the book of Romans. And this last verse that you use in the Romans road is this verse, verse 9. It's the verse that you read right before you ask someone to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the verse that you use. And there's two components of 9 and 10. And those two components can be described as inward and outward or heart and mouth. In fact, if you look at verse 10, you'll see that. For with the heart, inward, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, outward, confession is made unto salvation. I've used... The Roman road to present the gospel. I've used these verses to present Christ. And if you've used the Roman road to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think this is at the point where as you present the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you're having a private conversation, this is the point to where it's so easy to anticipate What is this person going to do that you're going to share the gospel with? And I think in the anxiousness and excitement of presenting these verses, sometimes the real meaning of these verses are glossed over. 
in the real meaning of these verses, in the depth of these verses, not just a topical reading of these verses to where you ask someone to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. The depth of the meaning of these verses, I think, is crucial to understanding true salvation. And so what I want to do this morning is look at these verses from an in-depth basis so we can truly understand what Paul is communicating to not only to the church at Rome, but also to us as believers, as well as understanding these verses as we hopefully communicate the gospel to a lost and dying world. In verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I think, first of all, to truly understand what Paul is communicating here, you have to understand that Christ has a title in this verse. Christ has a title in verse 9. What's that title? It's Lord, right? The title is Lord. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And unfortunately, in our easy believism of today, Romans 9 and 10 is sometimes wrongly presented as an overall acknowledgement. If you just acknowledge the existence of Christ, you will be saved. But unfortunately, acknowledgement isn't enough. And let me give you two verses that prove that just acknowledging the existence of Jesus Christ, acknowledging the historical Jesus, isn't enough for salvation. First of all, James 2.19. If you look at that, it says that you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. The demons acknowledge. The demons acknowledge the existence of Jesus Christ. And in fact, specifically in that regard, you can look at Matthew chapter 8. And in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28... Jesus comes upon two demon-possessed men that were in the tombs. And in verse 29, the demons look at Jesus Christ and they ask him a question. They say, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us? Before the time. In other words, here is proof that the acknowledgement of Jesus isn't enough because the two demon-possessed men, the demons inside of the men, acknowledged that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acknowledgement is not salvation. If acknowledgement was salvation... The demons would be believers. It's proof that acknowledgement isn't enough. See, I would venture to say that true salvation revolves around the title of Christ. 
the title of Christ as Lord. And what does that word mean? Sometimes as we try to relate the Bible to our modern day vernacular, we'll say that it's boss. While the attempt of trying to give some word that somebody can relate to in our modern day time to give them the word boss, it's a good attempt, but it really doesn't accurately describe who Jesus is. And I'll give you the reason for that. Have you ever fired your boss? We've all had bosses we fired, right? Through quitting. That doesn't reflect who Jesus is. And when you look at Vine's expository dictionary, as it describes what Lord means in the original language, it means having power or authority. And it's translated as Lord, Master, Owner, Sir. Now, when you think about it in that term, in the original language, there is a huge difference between having a boss and having a master. I can fire my boss. I can't fire my master. That's a remarkable difference. If you confess with your mouth the Lord... Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, what Paul is saying here is is that acknowledgement isn't enough. It isn't just something that one takes lightly. It means that you are surrendering your life. The title of Jesus Christ is my master, my master. One who has authority in my life. One who has authority in your life. And unfortunately, the Bible is full of examples of people who have made some type of attempt to acknowledge Jesus Christ. They acknowledge the historical Jesus, the existence of Jesus. But he's not their master. Give you a couple of examples for that. Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Many will say, Lord, Lord. In fact, another example is, is that you can look at the parable of the seed and the sower. The parable of the seed and the sower clearly illustrates that there are people who make some type of decision, but it's not a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And I think today in our cheap, easy evangelism, we have, unfortunately, pastors who offer this deal. Come down front, say a few words, and you'll get your ticket to heaven. It's not Jesus as master or Jesus as Lord. It's a transaction. That's all Christ is. It's a transaction. I go in and I say a few things and I don't have to worry about the flames of hell. Then I can go along and I can do my own thing. In fact, it's so bad if you think about this. If you take the number of Americans who say that they are Christians, and that number is vacillated between the high 60s to the low 70s of people who say that they are a believer. If all of those people showed up in America in churches on a given Sunday, there is not enough seats. There's not enough seats to seat all of those who have some type of profession for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that says something. Because what if 70%, 80% of the 70 showed up? You'd have to struggle for a seat in churches, wouldn't you? Most churches don't have a seating problem. Because this gospel of acknowledgement, just acknowledging the existence of Christ, has been the primary presentation of the gospel, unfortunately, now for decades. So we know that in order to have salvation, you first have to have Jesus as your master, as your master. And if you've been a Christian for a very long time, you'll understand what I'm about to say. That's a lifelong process, isn't it? It's just as Paul says, I die daily. I die daily. We struggle with self every single day, don't we? We'll talk about that a little bit more depth in just a moment. But Jesus is master. He is Lord. It's central to the gospel message. Understanding what that means. Not the historical Jesus. Well, what do we have to do with that information? Well, it says that we have to confess. We have to confess. If you look at Strong's, and you look at the meaning of confess, and Strong's gives you a number of different words, there's one that I think is really appropriate. And it's the word concede. Concede. That confess means concede. And I think that's so appropriate as we think about the gospel. Now, we can use a lot of different examples in our modern day language of what concede means. We see it every two years in our politics, right? If somebody's getting drummed in the election, well, what happens? They come out and they concede, don't they? What does concede mean? It means I've lost. I recognize that I have lost. In a boxing match, if you have two boxers going at it, there is a way that one boxer 
can concede. We've made it part of our everyday language. They throw in the towel, right? If one boxer's had enough, they throw in the towel in the ring. And what are they saying? They said, I have lost. Whether it's the example of politics or it's the example of a boxing match. It's appropriate for us to think about what it means to be a Christian. We are conceding to the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what we're doing is, is we're saying that our way, our way, our worldview, the way that we approach life, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And how many times have we seen people who try to chase the shiny things of this world as an answer to all of their problems? And they just go from thing to thing to thing. I'll try this and this will make me happy. I'll try this and I'll have satisfaction. I'll try this and I'll have peace. And then that doesn't work. And they'll go on to something else. Well, that didn't work, so then I'll go and I'll chase this and I'll pursue this. And this will give me happiness. And they go from thing to thing to thing. And then finally they come to Jesus Christ and they'll say, all of it was for naught. And I'm going to surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're conceding that the ways of the world are a waste of time. And that's what we have to do. And we have to realize that before we meet Christ, that the natural man is at enmity with God. That's what James 4.4 says. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Adulterers and adulteresses. In other words, when you are worshiping something other than the holy God himself, you are committing spiritual adultery. You're at enmity. You hate the things of God. That's what it's like before Christ, because you are clinging to the things of the world. Romans 8, 7, Paul wrote, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can indeed can be. This is why acknowledgement doesn't work. It doesn't work. This is why you see in the parable of the seed and sower, people that make false professions of faith. Because they want something from Christ. They want something. They want eternal security. But they're not willing to turn over their life to Christ. Christ isn't their master. He's not the Lord. And what Paul is telling us here in Romans 10 is he's saying... That for you to have salvation, that Jesus Christ has to be your Lord. He has to be your master. He has to be your owner. Now when you think about that in the context of life, it means that you are conceding your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, 
Sometimes people look at this as a one-time event. Preacher gives an invitation in the service. He says, come down front. Make Jesus your Lord. And it's a transaction. You go down front. You get your eternal security. And in our cheap, easy gospel... Jesus is never presented as someone who requires something from you. But he does, doesn't he? He told us here on earth that if we want to follow him, we have to what? We have to deny ourselves. We have to deny ourselves. It makes perfect sense if I'm going to say that Jesus is my master, or that Jesus is my Lord, or that Jesus is my owner, that I have to deny myself. In other words, you don't get to do all of the things that you want to do. You have to reorient your life to the gospel and teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would make the statement that, yes, this is a message for the lost, people that don't have a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I also think that today, in today's time, it is a message for those that are believers as well, because unfortunately, we have been going for decades to where people say, well, God doesn't require anything of me. I've I've acknowledged that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I can do whatever I want. And that ranges from sinning at will. God understands. We just have clay feet, right? No. God doesn't understand. He didn't shed his blood so that he could acquiesce to your sin. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that he bore himself on the cross so that we could have victory over our sin. He's not a co-conspirator in our sinning. He is with us in our victory over our sin. This message is appropriate for us because I would venture to say that if all believers in America would look and recognize what it means for Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life, that churches would be more crowded, that evangelism would be more fervent, that prayer meetings would be better attended, Because Jesus Christ is the driver of my life and the driver of your life. You can see this in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 verse 19. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, In having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast. Here's the important point. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Think about that. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. I love being around new Christians. You're around a new Christian and they've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and it's fresh and it's new and they're excited about being a follower of Christ. That should never waver. 
that excitement that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and we have been adopted into the kingdom of God, we should hold fast that confession, that conceding that Jesus is Lord. Conceding that He is Lord. Conceding that He is one. Conceding that He is victor. We should hold that fast in our life as we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ until He calls us home into His kingdom. Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. It goes on, it says, For he who is promised is faithful, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Sign of a healthy church. A healthy church is a well-attended church. Why is that? Because we come together and we recognize that Jesus is Lord. That He is Lord. That He is Master. And I yearn for the day when our country returns back to a well-attended church. We're not there. We're not there. Think about what we've witnessed over the last 40, 50 years. I've mentioned this before in messages. Remember blue laws? Why did we have blue laws? So people could go to church. I remember when I was a kid, wasn't any t-ball practice or baseball practice or soccer practice on Wednesdays. Why was it? So people could go to church. Why do we come to church? Because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Why are we active in our faith? Jesus is Lord. And as we come together, what does it say we do? We stir up one another for good works. I don't know about you, but I need this. This is where we come together and we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are reminded that He is Lord. My point is, is it never goes away. Salvation isn't a one-time event. It's just as I mentioned earlier, Paul said he dies daily. He confesses daily. He concedes daily. And that's what we need to do. It's his day. It isn't my day. It isn't my day. It's his day. Same way for tomorrow. And Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, every day is His day. And you have to reorient your life to the teachings and truth of Jesus Christ. Because He is Lord. Join me in prayer. Father, as we come to you today, I just thank you for your truth. And I pray that each of us individually might truly reflect on our own life and ask ourselves the question, is Christ Lord of my life? Am I living under the Lordship and teachings and truth of Jesus Christ? I pray, Lord, if there's someone listening who's never confessed Jesus as Lord, that today would be the day that they would recognize the wonderful gift that you've given through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you the glory and the praise and honor in all things. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, milkcreekchurch.org.